you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter number 2, we're um, going to be looking at a verse from the famous Christmas story passage, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. And we hope that you'll make it a tradition to uh, read this every Christmas. We do as a family, and so we hope you will as well. And uh, we're going to be looking at one verse from this Christmas story this morning. And as Brother Dwayne was just singing that song, it really reiterates one, what the opportunity we have to ring the news, to share the news uh, during this season. And what a great open door of opportunity it is to um, tell people about the true reason for the season. How many of you, by God's grace, have had an opportunity to do a random act of kindness for somebody? Anybody had a chance to do that? I had a chance yesterday as I was going through getting my daily cup of uh, <coughs> caffeine, uh, I was able to do that, and they got my coffee wrong, so I had to go back through, and the Holy Spirit laid on my heart to do it again, so I did it for two people yesterday, and so uh, just a random act of kindness, taking care of their coffee, and then um, giving them this card, leaving it for them to pick up behind me, and both of them did, and so I hope that it was an encouragement to them and help, uh, helped them to think about the love of Christ and what God has done for all of us. But uh, anyway, this Wednesday, can you believe it? This Wednesday is Christmas, all God's people said. How many of you have your Christmas shopping done? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you got it done. How many of you have not started? Oh, <laughs> Kyle, that's right, Kyle. I, I don't go till tomorrow. I shop the day or, uh, the, the, a day or two before Christmas, and my wife and family will tell you the main reason for that is probably just because I'm so disorganized. No, actually, it's because I can't keep secrets. Um, I like getting stuff for people, and the problem is that sometimes I'll give the secret away if I buy it too early. So I'm going tomorrow to get all my shopping done, say a prayer for me, and say a prayer for all the people who are working in stores over the next couple of days anyway. So this Wednesday is Christmas. Can you believe it? It's almost here. My sons this morning said, uh, Dad, it's only three and a half or four days till Christmas. It's the day. What is Christmas? It, it's the day when we as Christians celebrate the birth of our Savior, right? As we've heard this morning, as Santa shared with us. And, and, and when you think of the first Christmas, you have to recognize that there are some characters that played a significant role in one of the most important days in human history. Again, as, we, as we've already discussed. And in fact, when you look at uh, some of these characters in, in our series, we've been in a series entitled Prepare Him Room. And what we've been doing is looking at some of the least um, uh, focused upon characters of the Christmas story. The first week we looked at Joseph. And in, in the second week we, we looked at the shepherds. Last week we looked at a guy by the name of Simeon. Do you know who Simeon is? He's actually a part of the Christmas story. He's on down, down the verses there in Luke chapter 2 and you can read about him. And so we've learned about Joseph, the shepherds, and Simeon, and they each have a unique lesson to share with us about Christmas. But today, we're going to look at probably the least focused upon character in the Christmas story, and we find just one verse in all of Scripture that even alludes to him. It doesn't even officially say that he's there, but we gather from the conversation that Joseph and Mary had that he was there, and that is the innkeeper. That's who we're looking at today, and there's just one verse of Scripture that we want to focus upon, Luke chapter 2, verse 7. What does the Bible say in Luke chapter 2, verse 7? It says, and she, Mary, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And uh, wow, Santa, thank you so much for that perspective. I had never heard that. And that was very powerful to think that Jesus was wrapped 
in grave clothes as a symbol that he was born to die. And so they wrapped him in these swaddling clothes and they laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Father, bless our time as we look at this single verse and may we see the application and the lesson for all of us here today. Whether we know you as our Savior or if we don't, Father, that we would get the message of what this innkeeper is trying to tell us today. Um, Father, bless this time as we look at your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What does this single verse and this innkeeper teach us about Christmas? Well, clearly we see here from this verse of Scripture that Mary and Joseph found no room in the inn. And so the first truth I want you to write down there in your worship guide, if you're taking notes along with me, is, is this thought. No room for Jesus. Have you ever traveled to a city and didn't know about the big game or the big convention before you got there, and you didn't take advantage of Priceline.com, Hotels.com, Booking.com? Anybody? Anybody? Uh, two years ago, when Caitlin went for her first summer away at camp, at summer music camp down in Pensacola, Rebecca and I were going two weeks after she had been there to go pick her up, and they had a concert, I think, on a Friday night, and then she was to be uh, free on, on Saturday to, 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 to go home. And so we went down very late on a Friday at the end of the work week thinking, you know, we'll just find a hotel room once we get there. Well, something was going on in Pensacola. I think it was the graduation of the Naval Station, the Naval Academy students down there, or, or, or the Marines, and the, those in the military know that Pensacola is home of, of one of the big Naval Stations. And so there were literally no rooms. Rebecca, do you remember that grand, glorious experience? We drove around for hours trying to find a room. And okay, okay there might have been a couple of rooms, but the hotel managers knew it, and the prices were you know, we were only going to be there for like seven or eight hours. We're talking hundreds of dollars, and, and we just didn't have it. We weren't prepared. We were overwhelmed. We weren't expecting there to be no vacancy. Well, praise the Lord for saints who love their pastor because it just so happens that Scott and Rachel were also down at Pensacola because Isaiah was there, and, and so uh, he, was at, he was at music camp as well. And Scott and Rachel had been smart. They had booked a campus house room uh, months before like we didn't. And so they graciously made room for us, and they went to their buddy's house uh, about 45 minutes away so that we could stay in a hotel and not sleep in the car. How many of you have ever slept in your car rather than, yeah, I mean, literally, that was our situation. We were literally sitting in the parking lot of Pensacola saying, well, honey, I guess we're going to sleep in our car. That we just weren't prepared. You know, Mary and Joseph, as they were traveling to Bethlehem, it was a unique situation. Let me try to set the scene a little bit for us to appreciate what was going on. Um, what had happened is, is they were traveling to Bethlehem, Joseph's hometown where he grew up, because of a census that was occurring. But the census was for the purpose of taxing. Don't y'all just love taxes? Can I get an amen? Isn't that one of the greatest gifts that the government's ever given to us? I'm, I'm speaking facetiously now. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Check this out. This is interesting. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be... Now, this is how you know the Bible's true. Because if anybody was making up the story, we know no one likes taxes. No one would put this detail in the gospel story unless this was actual true history, okay? 
Can, can, can we just agree on that? I mean, if you're a skeptic and you're like, oh, the New Testament's a made-up story, a fairy tale. No, if you're making up a fairy tale, you're not putting in about taxes. But there it is, that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all those details are fascinating because that helps you to actually locate the exact time and year when Jesus was born. But that's later. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And so there were 12 tribes in the nation of Israel. And Joseph was from the tribe of Judah. He was from the bloodline of King David. And King David's hometown was Bethlehem. It's actually called the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord, the angel said to the shepherds. And so Joseph's going back to Bethlehem. And of course, Joseph and Mary didn't have hotels.com. They couldn't put a hotel reservation on their visa or MasterCard or American Excess. Um, and so they, they, they didn't have that. In fact, most likely this inn, it wasn't a Holiday Inn Express, okay? It wasn't a Ramada or a Country Inn in Suites with hot baked fresh cookies when you come in the lobby, right? I mean, how many of you like Country Inn and Suites? But, but, but no, I, I, this inn was more likely kind of like a bed and breakfast. But most likely, and this is fascinating, most likely, Joseph and Mary were going to a home, an inn, of one of their extended family members. And so Joseph and Mary get to this place where they assume they're going to find room. And of course, there was no room because the town was overwhelmed with people. They were stuffed. And, and, and what's the innkeeper going to do? I mean, and again, this is probably one of Joseph's extended family members, maybe an uncle, maybe a second cousin. We, we don't know that. But he said, there's no room. There's no room. But here's a stable. Here's, here's, a, here's a place where, where you can go. And so in a sense, the, the innkeeper said, there's no room inside. You know, I mean, what am I going to do, Joseph and Mary? Am, am I going to kick out you know, somebody else in your extended family so that you can? You know, part of it is the innkeeper didn't understand the importance of this baby. He didn't understand the significance of this child. And so we kind of look at this story and, 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 and have some mixed emotions about it. But as they came to this inn, they, they met this character, the innkeeper, and he comes to them with bad news. No rooms, no vacancy. And what I wanted to just have us see here from this verse is that we make room for what is important to us. Again, this innkeeper didn't understand the importance of who this baby was. He didn't have all the benefit of hindsight like you and I do. Um, but that thought just hit me as I was studying this passage this week. We make room for what's important to us. Think about your life. I thought about my life this week. I thought about, you know, I make time for what's important to me. I make room in my budget for what's really important to me. And so here's the question. Do you and I have room for Jesus? Do we have room? We'll make room if we see how important he is. We'll make room if we see how significant his life is to us. So we see... Joseph and Mary, they're going, they're excited, they're expectant parents. Uh, you know, Mary's about to have baby Jesus, and then they're hit with bad news. And it seems like God has to come up with a plan B. But of course, 
God's in control. He's working this all for his glory and our good. And of course, we see Jesus is born in this manger. No room for Jesus. A lot of times when we look at this story, though, this, that's all that gets focused on. We, 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 we talk about the innkeeper and we say, okay, the innkeeper didn't make room for Jesus, but you and I need to make room for Jesus. And that's certainly an application. But as I really got to thinking about this verse, I, th- I had this thought, and it's this. You know what it's really about? Christmas is about God making room for you and me. That's what Christmas is about. It's not about us making room for him, although that's the response that we're going to have when we see that what Christmas really is, is is God stepping into human history and making room for us at the table so that we can enjoy fellowship with him for all of eternity. Christmas is about God making room for us. It's about God, the Savior of the world, stepping out of heaven and stepping into a messy, sinful, broken world and making room, stepping into our fallenness to come and to die on a cross and pay the penalty for our sin that we could not pay. And so really when we think about Christmas, we, we, we think about the fact that God's making room for us. This is what he did in his son Jesus. Behold, Matthew one twenty three says, Behold, a virgin shall, cons- shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name. I love this name for Jesus, Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. That is so encouraging to me. You know why? Because there are days when I feel like God's very distant. When I feel like God's very indifferent or he doesn't care because I'm in my circumstances. I'm in my own brokenness or I'm in the brokenness of this world. And I turn on the news and I see what's going on on the screen. And my heart is just burdened and heavy. And I'm like, God, are you here? And it's like the Holy Spirit whispers to my heart, Emmanuel. God with us. Do you realize that it's because we see God with us, God making room for us, that we can then know that God is for us. Because God wanted to be with us, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is for us. God lived as us. He died for us so that now he can live in us and we can spend eternity with him. So it's God with us, God for us, God in us, God as us, and God bringing us to glory with him. What a gift. God with you. And so the next time you, you're in a circumstance, I mean, look at Joseph and Mary. They were in a circumstance like, oh no, what are we going to do? And this wasn't a normal couple, couple just traveling on vacation. They were needing to find a room where Mary could have this baby and be in a place where it would be clean and, and, and all these things. God with us. He's not a distant or indifferent God. The very name Emmanuel solidifies that. He's a God who came down to be with us, to make room for us when we needed it the most. Why would he do this? Why would God care? Love. Crazy love. Love. He loves us. In this was revealed or manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. This is what Christmas is really all about. It's about God making room for us to have an eternal relationship with him because that is what we truly and deeply most need. 
God gave his one and only son to die for us so that we might live, catch this, live with him, God with us. So God came to be with us so that he could die for us so that then we could be with him. God wants a relationship with you and me today. This is what Christmas is about. It's about relationship. It's about that most intangible thing that we're all searching for, true value, worth, and acceptance, and unconditional love. God gives us that in Jesus. Christmas is about God making room for us. And so then that leads us full circle. So if Christmas is about God making room for us, next slide, God made room for us, the question then is, will we make room for him? So really, I think that the focus is, God, look at what you did for me. And the response becomes, okay, wow, yes, this is the greatest gift I could ever receive. Of course, I'm going to make room for you. Of course, I see the importance of it. Of course, I see the significance of it. Maybe for the first time, my eyes are opened. So have you made room for him. Because Jesus, when he was born, faced the same problem that we face 2,000 years later. No room. People say, I don't have time for God. I have no room for God in my life. We're just too busy. People say things like, I've got a business to run, or I've got kids to chase after, or I've got a future to figure out, or I've got a spouse to find, or I've got fun to enjoy, or I've got a retirement to figure out, or I'm just too busy. Maybe next year, maybe next Easter, maybe next Christmas, I'll start seeking after God and really get serious and make room for God. Phillips Brooks, he's a pastor and also a songwriter, believe it or not. And Phillips Brooks is famous for writing probably the Christmas carol that all of, all of us have sung growing up entitled, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Phillips Brooks told of a man who came to him one time with similar excuses, saying, I just don't have time or room for my life with Christianity. It's too full already. You don't know how hard I work from morning until night. When would I have the time? Where would I have room for Christianity? And I want you to read the quote that's going to be put up on the screen. Phillips Brooks thought about that interaction, and he said this. He says, it's as if the engine had said it had no room for the fuel. It's as if the tree said it had no room for the sap. It's as if the ocean said it had no room for the tide. It's as if the man had said he had no room for his own soul. It is as if the life said it had no time to live. Christianity is not something we add to our life. It is life itself. A man is not living without it. And so really, it's not about making room when you realize that it's all-encompassing of life. That's what Brooks was arguing here in this quote. He's saying it's not like you're adding on a personal relationship with God to your life. It's kind of this extra periphery thing. It's the center. It's the anchor. It's the source from which everything else flows. 
This is what the gospel tells us, John 1, 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But here's the sad reality. People didn't see Christ as their life. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And it started right before his birth (laughs) in a very practical way. He came to his own hometown. He came to probably one of his extended family members, and the innkeeper just didn't understand. He didn't see that this was the most important human being that would ever be born because he would be 100% God, 100% man. He would be the perfect representative for humanity. He would be what the Bible calls the last Adam. He would live the perfect sinless life that you and I couldn't live so that he could die the death you and I both deserve to die and pay for the penalty of our sin. So then he could raise from the dead, giving us victory over our greatest enemy, over our greatest fear, and that is death and eternal separation from God. And so the point of this story, the point of this innkeeper and what he said to Joseph and Mary and how this all went down, the point is you will never experience what Christmas is really all about until you know who Jesus is on a personal and intimate level. It's so easy for us to get caught up in all the things of life and we find our relationship with God relegated to an afterthought, like a subtitle on a noisy, busy screen. Our relationship with God gets pushed to the sideline and we rarely even think about him except maybe once a week. What happens is many people, we all make this mistake, don't we? We substitute a busy life for an abundant life. We have no time for personal fellowship with God as we rush from the next task to the next objective to the next project. It makes no difference what these tasks are that keep us from spending time with God. They can be good things, but they're just not God things. If we allow these things to fill our day so that there's no time, no room left to cultivate our own relationship with God, then they're meaningless. They're meaningless without the Messiah. They're meaningless without the Savior. And so what we see here in this single verse is a great truth. It's only through Jesus that we can have eternal life. And it's only through cultivating our relationship with Jesus that we can enjoy abundant life. And so if you have never made room for Christ in your life to be your Savior, our prayer as a church has been for these last several weeks is that you would receive that gift. There's no strings attached. It really is all on Christ and trusting in Him and believing that He did for you what you can't do for yourself. And so our prayer is that you will receive the gift of eternal life and forgiveness that's found in Jesus Christ alone. But if you're a believer, then the prayer is is that we would continue to cultivate our relationship with Jesus because it's only through cultivating our relationship with Jesus and growing in grace that we can enjoy abundant life. And do you realize that eternal life is awesome, but abundant life is incredible? Jesus says, I am come to give abundant life. That means life right now. Some of us think that Christianity is all about one day, someday, off beyond the deep blue sky, you know. No, it's about right now. It's about a relationship with God in the midst of the moments when you don't feel like he's very near, but then the Holy Spirit whispers to you, Emmanuel, God with us. You know, some of y'all, some of y'all out here I know today are going through very difficult times, 
very difficult circumstances where you would be tempted by the enemy to think, God's not for you. God doesn't care about you. You know what you need to do this Christmas? Emmanuel, God with me. God for me. Christ as me so that he could die for me so that I could live in him and he lives in me. This is what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about something that many of us enjoy at Christmas. It's about relationship, but it's about a relationship with God. Do you have that today? Do you have room for Jesus? Let's pray together.